Book of Mormon Prophecy, a podcast series by Avraham Gileadi, Ph.D. 29. The Coming of One Like Moses Do the scriptures speak of more than one prophet like Moses besides Jesus Christ? Do Isaiah's prophecies throw light on what Jesus said about his servant? Welcome to Podcast 29, The Coming of One Like Moses. Now this is a really interesting subject because turns out there is more than one like Moses from the Scriptures. We'll read that as we're going to read everything from the Scriptures. But first we'll start with Deuteronomy, where the whole idea of one like unto Moses pops up from Moses prophesying it. He prophesied a prophet like himself in Deuteronomy 18, verses 15 and 19. He says, The Lord thy God, speaking to Israel in his day, will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee of thy brethren like unto me, and to him shall ye hearken. Now Moses, like unto him, we need to define that. He was a lawgiver of the people. He was a mediator of God's covenant with his people. He was a translated being. He had the sealing power. He had the priesthood after the holy order of God. One like unto Moses will have all those qualifications and possibly even more. It shall come to pass that whosoever will not hearken unto my words, which he shall speak in my name, I will require it of him, the Lord speaking. The one like unto Moses is going to bring forth words, the words of God, the words of truth, the words of light. And so let's see if all these ones like unto Moses qualify and do actually do that. First we go to First Nephi 22, verses 19 through 21. The Lord, that's Jehovah, or Jesus Christ, is the prophet like Moses. However, Nephi is speaking about the end time, when the righteous shall not perish, he says, for the time surely shall come that all they who fight against Zion shall be cut off. Now, we've seen that before, that the righteous shall not perish in many historical occasions. We saw it at the time Babylon destroyed Israel and conquered the world and took the Jews captive. There's the Lord's Spirit, Lehi, and there were also others that escaped uh, down to Africa that we know of from that time period, and others into Yemen and stayed there. I know the Lord leads out the righteous at any time there's a, a world calamity or the, the time that he destroys the nations or destroys the wicked among the nations. And he did the same again when Jesus came, the one likened to Moses, the one likened to Moses. Those who fought against Zion or those who fought against Christ at that time, they were cut off. The Romans came a short time after and took them captive and slew many of them, destroyed the temple, and so forth. So, they who fight against Zion is from Isaiah 29, which is an end-time scenario. Nephi is speaking specifically of the end-time. The righteous need not perish, but... All they that fight against Zion, they shall be cut off. So two groups of people, the righteous and the wicked. And the wicked are defined as fighting against Zion. That's how you know who they are. Also, that implies that Zion is being set up at that time or being established. And that there are those who oppose Zion's establishment. And all of that is in the end time. And the Lord will surely prepare a way for his people unto the fulfilling of the words of Moses, which he spake, saying, a prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you like unto me, 
Him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. This is quoting from Deuteronomy, more or less. And it shall come to pass that all those who will not hear that prophet shall be cut off from among the people. So Moses said, I will require it of you, but here it's more definitive. They shall be cut off among the people, that is, from God's people. So it implies that some people, the people, will hear him, others will not, and instead fight against Zion. And now I, Nephi, declare unto you that this prophet of whom Moses spake was the Holy One of Israel, wherefore he shall execute judgment in righteousness. All right, so what happens here is, yes, he is the one that Moses spoke of, but is he the only one? That is the question. Because on the one hand, Nephi is speaking about an end-time scenario, but then he gives deference to the Lord himself, of course, first, that he is the prophet like unto Moses. But he doesn't exclude others. He doesn't say it's exclusively Jesus Christ or Jehovah. He doesn't say that. So we have to kind of read between these lines what this scripture and other scriptures tell us. Next we go to Joseph Smith. Is he one like unto Moses? And we read in 2 Nephi 3, verses 7 and 9, a choice seer is a prophet like Moses. And this is speaking of Joseph of old. And it's saying, Joseph truly said, Thus saith the Lord unto me, A choice seer will I raise up out of the fruit of thy loins, and he shall be esteemed highly among the fruit of thy loins. And unto him will I give commandment that he shall do a work for the fruit of thy loins, his brethren which shall be of great worth unto them, even unto the bringing of them to the knowledge of the covenants which I have made with thy fathers. And he shall be great like unto Moses, whom I said I would raise up unto you to deliver my people, O house of Israel. And indeed, we see that Joseph Smith was a lawgiver. The gospel of Jesus Christ was restored through the prophet Joseph Smith in his day. So is he one like unto Moses? Yes, very much so. He received revelation directly from God, as Moses did. He delegated it to the people, and that is how the gospel was restored. And he did a work for the fruit of thy loins, which was a work of restoring the gospel, which was a foundation and preparation for eventually all the tribes of Israel coming into God's covenant. An amazing prophet, like unto Moses, was Joseph Smith, a dispensation leader, as was Moses. So there you have it, similarities. And that's concerning the prophet Joseph, a choice seer, raised up out of the fruit of the ones of Joseph, according to Joseph's prophecy. Well, next we move on to what Jesus says in 3 Nephi 20, verse 23. Jesus is the prophesied prophet like Moses. He says, Behold, I am he of whom Moses spoke, saying, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me, him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. And it shall come to pass that every soul who will not hear that prophet shall be cut off from among the people. So there you have it again. He's claiming himself that he's the one likened to Moses, as Nephi said he was. And as he truly is, he is the one likened to Moses. But again, he's not telling us he's the only one likened to Moses. Because in the next chapter, 3 Nephi 21, verses 10 through 12, he says this. He speaks of his servant as a prophet like Moses. Speaking of God's end-time servant, mentioned in the book of Isaiah, he's quoting Isaiah 52, where the servant is marred and then healed. 
because Jesus heals him. But in the book of Isaiah, it says Jehovah heals him, chapter 57. So here Jesus is speaking as Jehovah about his servant, as Jehovah speaks about his servant in the book of Isaiah. The life of my servant shall be in my hand. Well, because he's going to get horribly disfigured. He has enemies. Therefore they shall not hurt him, although he shall be marred because of them. So there are those who fight against Zion in the end time, as Nephi predicted. Yet I will heal him, for I will show unto them that my wisdom is greater than the cunning of the devil. Well, the healing also appears to be his translation when he's taken up to God's throne, as it says in the book of Revelation, concerning the male child whom the dragon wants to destroy. And when the woman goes into the wilderness for three and a half years, which is also in Isaiah 66, where the male child is delivered. And if the Lord heals him, if the Lord takes him to his throne, well, then surely that's part of his healing that's going on. Therefore it shall come to pass that whosoever will not believe in my words, who am Jesus Christ, which the Father shall cause him to bring forth unto the Gentiles, and shall give unto him power that he shall bring them forth unto the Gentiles. Of course, the word power is a reference to the day of power that will then be very much in evident when the power of God descends upon the saints and upon the covenant people of the Lord. And he's going to bring forth his words by power. Of course, the prophet Joseph Smith had similar power when he used the Urim and Thummim to translate the Book of Mormon. Now, this is the rest of it. These are other records, namely, beginning with the large plates of Nephi. And he says, it shall be done even as Moses said. So now he's referring to the one likened to Moses, which is, in this case, not himself. It shall be done even as Moses said, they shall be cut off from among my people who have the covenant. All right, what are we getting from this? Who are the people of the covenant today? Well, Latter-day Saints are, right? Uh, we're the people of the covenant. The Jews, they're still in the old covenant. The last 10 tribes, probably similar, and the Lamanites of today, they have their traditions. So, he's speaking about us. Some of us are going to be cut off from among his people of the covenant. When some of us reject the words of Christ that the servant brings forth, that his servant refers to him, the life of my servant shall be in my hand. He's not his own servant, as we already know. It shall be done even as Moses said, there shall be cut off from among the people. And that is what Moses and, and Nephi and Jesus himself here are saying will happen when we reject the words of Christ that the servant brings forth. All of that is an end-time scenario, right before the coming of the Lord. And then many of us says we'll reject that and be cut off, while the house of Israel will accept those words that the servant brings forth and other records that come forth, and they will become the covenant people from that time on. And we minister the gospel. Some of us will minister the gospel to them. As it says here, then, and my people who are a remnant of Jacob, the remnant of Jacob are the lost and fallen peoples of the house of Israel. And in this case, if we're speaking about the American continent, that would be the Native Americans of today. Using the name Jacob as indication of what spiritual level they are on, still lost and fallen, but they will be converted at that time through the same words that the Gentiles reject, basically. And my people who are a remnant of Jacob shall be among the Gentiles, among us, and among other Gentiles on this land. Yea, in the midst of them as a lion among the beasts of the forest, as a young lion among the flocks of sheep, who, if he go through, both treadeth down and teareth in pieces, 
and none can deliver. Now he's quoting from the prophet Micah. So he's combining the words of Isaiah with the words of Micah the prophet, who was a contemporary of the prophet Isaiah, who was a friend of his. Are you getting the picture here? It's, um, there's Christ himself, definitely the one likened to Moses, more than any other. But Joseph Smith also, the choice seer, likened to Moses. And now the Lord's end time servant. We see the same thing in Doctrine and Covenants 103, verses 15 through 20. One like unto Moses leads them. Behold, I say unto you, the redemption of Zion must needs come by power. That's Jesus speaking through the prophet Joseph Smith. And power is that day of power that I mentioned. Therefore, I will raise up unto my people a man who shall lead them like as Moses led the children of Israel. Well, who is this? For ye are the children of Israel and of the seed of Abraham. Ye must needs be led out of bondage by power with a stretched out arm. And this is the trek back to Jackson County, Missouri, spoken of, which they had just done in Joseph Smith's day, but did not succeed in their purpose because of the wickedness of the saints. So he's giving us a second chance to go back to Missouri and establish Zion there. And it'll be the day of power. And they'll be led by one likened to Moses, a man, says. Out of bondage, which means we'll be in bondage. And it'll be with a stretched out arm, signifying divine intervention through the instrument of the Lord's arm, which is the Lord's end time servant in the book of Isaiah. So he's the one likened to Moses spoken of here in DNC 103, 15 through 20. And verse 21 begins a new passage in DNC 103, so it does not relate to this scenario here. And as your fathers were led at the first, even so shall the redemption of Zion be. Now speaking of the exodus out of Egypt under Moses. Therefore, let not your hearts faint, for I say not unto you, as I said unto your fathers, that's the ancient Israelites, my angel shall go up before you, but not my presence, because he was angry with them because of their idolatries. But I say unto you, my angels shall go up before you, and also my presence, and in time you shall possess the goodly land. So this is going to be a glorious event, as he says. He will send his angels, and they will gather his elect from the four winds. And here, who are the angels? We've spoken about that and identified them as the translated beings who gather Israel and restore Israel to lands of promise in the end time. And in time he shall possess the goodly land, yes, throughout the millennial age. We go back to Exodus, the book of Exodus 14, 21 through 28, where Moses stretches out his hand over the sea. Now we're looking at this type, Moses and the coming out of Egypt of the Israelites is a great type of any Exodus and also one like it to Moses. Let's see what they do. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea dry land and the waters were divided and the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. I'm not sure it's quite like the movie the Exodus depicts, but certainly there was a dry space there and that Israel could walk through. And in fact, recently they have found that there is kind of a ridge across there from the Sinai Peninsula all the way to into Arabia. And there's been new archaeological evidence found all the Israelites crossing, not into Sinai, but into Arabia. And the Egyptians pursued, it says, and went in after them into the midst of the sea even all Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and horsemen. It came to pass that in the morning watch, the Lord looked 
unto the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of the cloud. Because it was the angel. And troubled the host of the Egyptians and took off their chariot wheels, that they drove them heavily. So that the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand over the sea. The second time, the first time he stretches out to dry the sea, and now the second time he stretches his hand over the sea again, that the waters may come up again over the Egyptians and upon their chariots and upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to his strength. And when the morning watch appeared, the Egyptians fled against it, and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. And the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the hosts of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them, and there remains not so much as a one of them. Well, there you have complete destruction of the enemy. You have here a beautiful type of deliverance and destruction simultaneously happening. And that is a type of the end time, when the wicked of the world will be destroyed at the very time that the righteous of the world will be delivered into lands of promise. And we are the ones who are going to be instrumental in doing so if we measure up, if we prepare ourselves this time now to qualify for those events. Then we go to 1 Nephi 22, 11-12, cross-referencing Isaiah 52, 10. The Lord makes bare his arm. The Lord God will proceed to make bare his arm in the eyes of all the nations in bringing about his covenants and his gospel unto those who are of the house of Israel. This is the end-time scenario when the servant appears the arm of righteousness in the eyes of all the nations because it is a universal event from the get-go, as I mentioned in the past. And the idea is to bring God's people of the house of Israel, the Jews, the ten tribes, and Lamanites of today back into the Lord's covenant and preach the gospel to them, to those who are of the house of Israel, and bring them up into an elect state, as many as will come to the church of the firstborn, as it says in the Doctrine and Covenants. Wherefore, he will bring them again out of captivity. They will be in captivity again at that time. There will be nations under martial law and horrible oppression going on. But they will be brought out of it by one like Moses or others like Moses, the end-time servants of the Lord, all of whom will have this power like unto Moses and will be translated beings who have power over the elements and over nations as Moses did and other translated beings did. And they shall be gathered together to the lands of their inheritance. That's millennial lands of inheritance. And they shall be brought out of obscurity and out of darkness. In other words, from their lost and fallen state, like the Lamanites were to whom the sons of Messiah administered the gospel. It talks about them as coming out of obscurity and out of darkness from the traditions of their fathers. And they shall know that the Lord is their Savior and their Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. They will know it. They will know for sure. They are the house of Israel. They are the natural lineages of the olive tree. Theirs is the covenant. Theirs are the covenant blessings. And we are, as it were, on loan right now to see how we measure up. If we do, we will all be one nation with them throughout the millennial age. And then we quote Isaiah 51, 9 through 11. It's Nephi, which is in 2 Nephi 8, 9 through 11, where Jacob quotes it. Jehovah empowers his arm. We read it before, but this is a different context. Awake, arise, clothe yourself with power, O arm of Jehovah. Bestir yourself as in ancient times, as in generations of old, meaning the time of the Exodus out of Egypt. As it says here, Was it not you who carved up Rahab, Egypt? You who slew the dragon, the Pharaoh? Was it not you who dried up the sea, the waters of the mighty deep, and made of ocean depths a way by which the redeemed might pass? 
So this angel of God was present at that time, as we've mentioned in a previous podcast, was present functioning as the angel of the Lord, helping with the Exodus under Moses. And now the Lord is going to empower him to do the same thing in the flesh, in the end time, to redeem and bring out of exile and from bondage and from captivity the Lord's covenant people, the Jews, the Ten Tribes, and Lamanites of today, to lands of inheritance in a new exodus. So the old exodus, as I mentioned, is a type of the new exodus, the end time exodus. And even Nephi, when they came out of Jerusalem and spoke to Laman and Lemuel, he compared their leaving Jerusalem to the exodus out of Egypt. He made that connection. And we must make those connections in the scriptures to get a full picture of what the Lord is expecting of us and what is going on, what's going to happen uh, very soon. Continuing in Isaiah 51, 9 through 11, then it says, Let the ransom of Jehovah return. Let them come singing to Zion, their heads crowned with everlasting joy. Let them obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing flee away. And there again you have the actual description of the end-time exodus. It's going to be like a pilgrimage anciently to the temple in Jerusalem. Here comes singing to Zion. who will come singing in groups of exodus people from all around the world to Zion or to lands or to stakes of Zion, whichever, wherever we will be directed at that time. Then we go to Isaiah 43, 1-2. Israel's returnees travel unharmed. Of course, because just as they traveled unharmed in the days of Moses, so they will again. That's the type. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Now, being called by name is a special thing because then he acknowledges us as his covenant people or acknowledges them, that is, the house of Israel, those who will be coming back out of exile. When you cross the waters, I will be with you. The Lord will be with us, and angels will be with us, or we will be those angels. When you traverse the rivers, you shall not be overwhelmed. Though you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. Its flame shall not consume you. You'll be immune to the elements, and you'll be immune to hazards along the way. And the Lord will provide for you along the way, as he did anciently for them. And then we go to Isaiah 55, 3 through 5. Jehovah appoints his servant as a lawgiver. Give ear and come unto me. That's Jehovah speaking. It's the same as coming unto Christ, right? Because he is Jehovah. Pay heed that your souls may live, that your souls may live instead of die, because others will be dying all around you. So you better pay attention, because if you want to live through that time, come unto Christ and pay heed. It means not just, oh yeah, I hear you. It means, yes, I hear you and I'm going to obey. I'm going to assimilate what you say and apply it to myself and do it. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant. There you have it. It's by covenant. The Lord works within covenants. And this is the covenant of life that you may live. That's opposed in the book of Isaiah, juxtaposed with the covenant of death that some Ephraimites and their leaders make in Isaiah 28. This covenant is juxtaposed in the book of Isaiah in the Bible structure with the covenant of death. So on the one hand, you have a covenant of life. On the other hand, you have a covenant of death. On the one hand, you have God's wife becoming a whore. And on the other hand, you have the woman Zion whom he remarries. On the one hand, you have the, the evil city, the wicked city that gets leveled to the dust. On the other hand, you have the city, the righteous city that rises from the dust. So these juxtaposed entities, they're all the same identifying the same group collective of people in the book of Isaiah, God's covenant people of the end time, us and the house of Israel, the natural lineages. 
I will make with you an everlasting covenant my loving fidelity toward David. Well, David is the name of the servant, the end time servant, as it also appears in the book of Jeremiah and Ezekiel. And he's a preparer of the way for the coming of Jehovah. He prepares the way physically as well as spiritually, like as Enoch did, establishing Zion among God's end-time people so that the Lord can then come unto Zion and dwell among them. He can't come right now, not until we've established Zion, and we help God's people to do that, the covenant people. I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my loving fidelity toward David. But remember that the Lord's servant, this David, is also appointed to be a covenant of the people. He's the mediator of the covenant, as we mentioned in the previous podcast. So you make an everlasting covenant, my loving fidelity toward David, means we go through him, or he's the mediator of God's covenant at that time, to the Gentiles and to the house of Israel. And then it says, see, I have appointed him. There's the word appoint, which the Lord uses of his servants' passages throughout the book of Isaiah. I have appointed him as a witness to the nations, a prince and lawgiver of the peoples, like Moses and like ancient David, and like Isaiah, a witness, a prince and lawgiver. And then the Lord speaks to him, saying, you will summon a nation you did not know, a nation that did not know you will hasten to you. Well, it means that to know is to have a covenant relationship with. But if he's one of us, raised up from among us, of our brethren and so forth, then surely the Jews, the ten tribes, and, and Lamanites of today, he didn't know them before, not until the records are revealed and they believe them and they recognize him as a lawgiver, as a witness and the prince, and gain testimonies of that by the Holy Spirit, then they begin to know. But first they don't know. As it says, you will summon a nation, that is the natural lineage of the house of Israel, that you did not know, a nation that did not know you will hasten to you. Because once they get a testimony of it, they're going to come running to you. They're going to come running because also the destructions of the Lord are going around the world at that time and they'll need to escape them somehow. Because of Jehovah your God, the Holy One of Israel, who gloriously endows you. So he gloriously endows his servant. Remember, after he goes through his descent phase and is disfigured and, and marred, and he heals him, and he becomes prominent among all nations, like Solomon, as we discussed previously. The Holy One of Israel, who gloriously endows him. Yes, but in the end, after he pays the price of suffering and so forth, as a proxy savior to his people. All right, so this is a really important podcast that we did today, and we're going to summarize it now, that there are two others besides Jesus, who is the prophet like Moses, who also resemble Moses, namely the prophet Joseph Smith, and also God's end-time servant, perform similar roles, and the type of Moses applies to all three of them. Now, the time frame is the time of Moses, Jesus, Joseph Smith, and the Lord's end-time servant. Three different time frames. Moving forward, are we open to receiving a prophet like Moses who is yet to come? Now, some of us will be, hopefully, and others will not definitely not be, and will be cut off among his people who have the covenant. And the next time, do the scriptures um, give an idea of what Jesus' second coming will be like? We're going to be discussing that from the scriptures again. Recommended reading, End Time Prophecy, a Judeo-Mormon Analysis. Hope to see you next time for the last podcast, number 30. Uh, please join us at that time. And God bless you all and, and prosper you in truth and in righteousness, I pray. And I say this in Jesus' name. God bless you. Till next time. Bye-bye. 
Thank you for joining us today. Join us next time when we learn types of the coming of Christ. Do the scriptures contain foreshadowings of Jesus' second coming to the earth that inform Latter-day Saints of what the events of His coming will be like?